Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello and welcome to Trashy Divorces, everybody's favorite good podcast about bad relationships. My name is Stacy, and I'm delighted to again welcome you to the penultimate episode of season 19 of Trashy Divorces. Holy cats, Alicia here. That is right. In our tale of marital misadventure this week, we got a two-parter. You got me all fired up with Carl Sagan. Oh, yeah. And if there is ever a two-parter, it is my man, Tony Bennett, today <sighs> with Included Spiderwebs happening on Patreon. The man, the myth, the legend, Tony Bennett. I'm really excited. It is a terrific story today. As we close out season 19, this episode is going to cover getting Tony Bennett into his first trashy divorce. Our episode Sunday will bring the conclusion of Tony Bennett as we usher our way out of season 19. So I guess what do we need to do, Alicia? We're going to leave our hearts in San Francisco and go, go, go. All right, Alicia, the crooner, Tony Bennett. Let's hear it. There really is a lot to like in this story. I expect so. He's pretty terrible to his wives, but otherwise, Tony Bennett is a real mensch. I've heard great stories. Tony Bennett is indisputably one of the greatest American singers of the 20th and 21st centuries. His amazing career began in 1949 and spanned, are you ready for this, 75 years. Wow. Tony enjoys singing right up to his recent death, just shy of his 97th birthday. In fact, his last performance was at Radio City Music Hall in August of 2021 to celebrate his 95th birthday. And he still just had that super cool swagger about him. He is the most interesting cat. Tony successfully adapts to the changing times and appeals to younger generations with his smooth, melodic voice, coupled with his, as you mentioned, impeccable style and warm personality. But here's the thing about Tony Bennett. He refuses to lower his standards or sing songs that he doesn't believe in, even when record producers pressured him to do what he considered to be low-quality or gimmicky songs. Tony allows his career and financial success to take a hit as opposed to sacrificing his integrity as a musician. And it turns out in the long run, that strategy really paid off. Tony's appeal was universal, even if the crooner style wasn't someone's favorite. Which is not me. I'm a fan of the crooners. Few people could resist, though, the dapper and elegant Tony Bennett singing I Left My Heart in San Francisco in the later years of his career, he really does prove his ability to appeal to all ages and musical preferences. Remember when he couples up with some of the most popular younger singers for duets of what Tony Bennett considered to be 
The Great American Songbook. Mm -hmm. Tony never stops appreciating the audience and thrives on mutual respect and admiration that he feels for his fans. He always said that the goal for his career was to create, quote, a hit catalog rather than hit records, unquote. Interesting approach. And he certainly accomplished that. You ready? You want to take a guess at how many records Tony Bennett released in the course of his career? I, I'm fascinated to find out. 70. Jeez. 7 Wow. In Tony's book, I love this, Life is a Gift, the Zen of Bennett. <laughs> the Zen of Bennett. This was published in 2012. Tony Bennett stated this philosophy that made him the legendary singer and performer that so many people loved and admired. Tony writes, I love entertaining people. I strive to make them feel good and they make me feel wonderful. To explain it simply, I love what I do and my ambition is to get better as I get older. That's really what I'm all about. To my mind, being in the entertainment business is the best job that anyone could have. I get to travel the world over, meet interesting people, and experience many cultures. I've sung for 11 presidents and have performed for royalty. But best of all, I get to meet my fans, the people on the street, face to face. They are the ones who help me stay grounded. I learn more from them than anyone else. So I said that number and your eyes shot open really wide. Tony Bennett did perform for 11 U.S. presidents, Nelson Mandela and Queen Elizabeth II. Incredible. Some of the other career accomplishments, you ready? Were winning for Tony 20 Grammy Awards. That's just a huge number. Having a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Sure. And being a Kennedy Center honoree. Mm-hmm. Now, that's a lot of lauding. That's a lot of accolades. Super cool. But let me tell you, there is so much more to Tony Bennett other than his music. Tony was a World War II veteran and was one of the soldiers to liberate survivors of a Nazi concentration camp. Wow. Not only that, Tony Bennett, huge advocate and supporter of civil rights and marches in Selma with Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. in 1965. Talk about being on the right side of history. In April of 1965, Frank Sinatra, previous TD alum, tells Life magazine, For my money, Tony Bennett is the best singer in the business. He excites me when I watch him. He moves me. He's the singer who gets across what the composer has in mind, and probably a little more. He was given, you ready, a humanitarian award from the United Nations High Commissioner for Refugees. Tony was also associated with so many charities and donated his talents at so many charity fundraisers that he was nicknamed Tony Benefit. <laughs> Isn't that great? One of Tony's proudest accomplishments was opening the Frank Sinatra School of the Arts in 2001. Hmm. God, there's, the story's so exciting. It was the passion project of Tony and his then-wife, Susan Benedetto, and offers the opportunity for students to pursue the arts in his hometown Tony's of Astoria, Queens, all free of cost. That's amazing. Really amazing. Along the way through, Tony Bennett, of course, has had some ups and downs, both professionally and personally. 
He really does go through a dark period during the 1970s when his career was going downhill. Tony will struggle with addiction, and he'll have some major financial problems. Thankfully, he was able to overcome those struggles, but along the way, for our purposes here, he had two pretty trashy divorces before finding lasting love and happiness with his third wife, which is a story all unto itself. Let's get into it. Anthony Dominic Benedetto was born August the 3rd, 1926 in Astoria, Queens. So Tony Bennett is a Leo man, but I think maybe a little bit different of a one than your Joe Jonas from last week. You know, time reveals much. (laughs) Only time will tell, isn't that what they say? Even before the Great Depression started in 1929, the Benedetto family had to work really hard to make ends meet. Tony's father was a grocer, his mother was a seamstress, who really did work under sweatshop conditions. Despite some pretty tough early circumstances, the thing about Tony's parents, they're extremely loving. They make Tony and all of his siblings feel really special. Tony will credit them with his humility, his dedication to quality, and his strong work ethic. Tony Bennett writes, I was drilled not to be the best, but to always strive to do my best. And then if I did, the reward would follow. I was told that everything I do should be done with care. Even now, I feel strongly that if you buy a suit or a dress, it should be well made and it should last for years instead of a con job where you buy something only to have to replace it after it falls apart six months later. Okay, Grandpa. No, I'm kidding. Totally kidding. That is the that no, is those my are, those, philosophy of buying. Those are those are good values. Uh, they are a bit out of step with how we do things today, though. But yeah. This is why I buy nice handbags. Mm-hmm. I've had some of my handbags for mm, 35 years, yeah. and you take care of them, and they're good quality things. I get this, Tony. Sure. I'm, I'm in your jam, not man. A, not a fast fashion guy, is what you're saying. No, he is not a fast fashion guy. Let's go back to this quote. Tony continues, if you apply this philosophy, you will never go wrong. And I have found that in particular for a performer, the public will pick up on that attitude and will reward you by giving back what you give to them. I never sing a cheap song. I never look down at the audience and think they are ignorant or think that I am more intelligent than they are. Tony knows from a young age that he wants to be artistic and creative. He loves to sing. But not only that, Tony Bennett loves to paint and has done both of these things with an ardent passion since he was a child. He's a prolific painter, Tony Bennett, and singer. He's a real renaissance man. Mm Mm-hmm. Tony said he never had to wonder what he was going to do with his life because he just knew. Super sad here, when Tony was 10 years old, his father passed away. So this would be about 1936. And after this, the family's already kind of shaky financial situation degrades. It's far worse than it was before. And now Tony's mom is forced to support her three kids as a widow, as a Mm -hmm. single mom. Tony's mom does this by taking extra sewing work from home. She takes it home at night with her after she works an entire normal day. Right. You ready? She'll earn a penny a dress. Mm. Mm. Tony would later pay tribute to his father's incredible singing talent 
and said that his father's early death and unrealized potential drove him to succeed. Tony writes, The legend in my family was that my father used to stand at the top of a mountain and the whole valley would hear him sing. Wow. That is the reason I'm singing. I bet. Tony's first big performance was in 1936. He would be 10. He sings at the opening of the Triborough Bridge. Can you imagine? He receives adoration and appreciation from the then mayor of New York City, Fiorello LaGuardia. Hmm. As a teenager, Tony hops on over to the High School of Industrial Arts. It is here that Tony decides he wants to be a professional singer. Not only that, though, again, just well-rounded guy, Tony Bennett, he pursues his sketching and painting as well, again, lifelong passions. Tony was not able to finish his education, though, because he needed to go to work to help support his family. Sure. You ready for this? He does this. I love it. Tony becomes a singing waiter at a few local restaurants, including one seriously that just closed in 2021. Oh, really? Called Ricardo's by the Bridge. Okay, I was going to say those were the days, but I guess those were the days right up until a couple years ago. Yeah, when Tony Bennett heard of Ricardo's by the Bridge's closing, he tweeted, I always felt that if I never made it as a performer, I would still be happy as a singing waiter. <laughs> I'm sorry to hear of its closing after nearly 70 years. Wow. All of Tony's plans were put on hold. Because when Tony turned 18, he was drafted into the army. Of course he was. Tony was sent to France where he finished basic training. His regiment marched to Germany. The Battle of the Bulge had just ended. And so Tony's squadron, I guess, is that what they are? Troops, squadron, regiment. You can tell I'm... Unit, brigade, I don't know. One of those military sounding words. Indeed. They were sent in as relief soldiers. Platoon. Oh, okay. Platoon. Dunno. <laughs> well, regiment. That regiment that he was in was meant for relief for the soldiers who had just won the Battle of the Bulge. Okay. So he kind of comes in as backup. Mm -hmm. I think they call those reinforcements. There you go. See? The mistakes are part of the show, y'all. Military historians <laughs> up in here. <laughs> Tony here, though, was shocked to see the psychological trauma written all over the faces of the soldiers who had just finished fighting the bloody Battle of the Bulge. His regiment's job, there you go, Tony's was to sweep German towns for any Nazis that were still there. The war was nearing its end at that point, but the fighting in Germany was still raging. Tony Bennett was nearly killed several times. He was in an area where bombs were being dropped day and night. He once had a bomb explode in his trench, only about 40 feet away from him. Tony, though, during this time, would really call on his artistic background and sketch in the foxholes for distraction. Eventually, Tony Bennett was one of the soldiers that liberated the Landsberg concentration camp. The war had a tremendous impact on Tony, and when he returned home, Tony Bennett becomes a lifelong pacifist. He'll write, The main thing I got out of my military experience was the realization that I am completely opposed to war. Although I understand why this war was fought, it was a terrifying, demoralizing experience for me. 
Life can never be the same once you've been through combat. Seems believable. The one good thing that resulted from his time in Germany was that Tony was able to transfer to the Armed Services Band. Mm. It was there that he was able to get a real taste of performing for live audiences. Tony will also make his first record during this time called St. James Infirmary Blues. So now's a great time. Let's take a quick break here from sponsors. When we come back, we're going to get Tony back for more and becoming Tony Bennett and meet his first wife. Mm -hmm. See you on the flip. Hey, Trash Pandas. When you need a brain break from your day, let me recommend the game June's Journey for Android and iPhone. It's a hidden object mystery game where you are solving a murder, uncovering family secrets, and, I don't know, exposing official corruption? All in an extremely stylish 1920s setting. Every scene takes you deeper into the mystery and introduces you to an expansive cast of characters as June Parker explores the questions surrounding her sister's apparent murder-suicide at the family's beachfront estate. Add your own elements to the island from lush gardens to gorgeous new buildings. This story has so many twists and turns. Right now, we are on a global journey attempting to rescue June's niece, Virginia. It's a great combo of gameplay. It's a memory puzzle, a design project, an intriguing storyline with genuinely fabulous art. When you want to let your mind wander, relax into this glorious 1920s murder mystery and get lost in the fun. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Sibling fights are unavoidable, but what if every fight you had was under a microscope on a global scale? That's the reality for brothers Prince William and Prince Harry. They were each other's closest friends and allies since the death of their mother, but that all began to crack as they married and took wildly different approaches to their royal duties. Wondery's podcast, Disentel, is hosted by comedians Sydney Battle and Matt Belisai. Each episode unpacks one of pop culture's most iconic celebrity feuds, and they recently took a deeper look into the real reason William versus Harry started. It's actually much bigger than these two brothers, stretching back into the history of the British monarchy. Did their feud start with the royal family's mistreatment of Meghan Markle, or was it something that started much earlier? Follow Disentel on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Alicia, so how does Tony go from St. James Infirmary Blues to global singing sensation? Holy cat. So after his time in the service, Tony comes on back to New York and starts performing in a club. With the absolute determination to do whatever it takes to become a professional singer. He'll go to a lot of Broadway editions, but never get a part. In 1949, Pearl Bailey saw Tony Bennett perform and invited Tony to open for her at the Village Inn in New York. Hmm. Tony happily does so. I would think. At that show, there was a man named Charlie Cooley who was so impressed with Tony Bennett's performance. The thing about Charlie Cooley, he works with Bob Hope. And Charlie goes back to Bob Hope and convinces Bob Hope to go see Tony Bennett perform at the club where he was steadily doing a set. Mm -hmm. Bob Hope, I guess, puts down his golf clubs long enough to agree. And after watching Tony Bennett, Bob Hope is so impressed that Bob Hope asks Tony to open for him. Right. Obviously, 
This was Tony's big career and, break. Yeah, and so it begins. Yeah. It's also where Tony gets his stage name. So ever since returning from Germany, Tony was performing under the stage name of Joe Bari, B-A-R-I, because he thought it was short and sounded American. He had already previously been told that Anthony Dominic Benedetto was too long and too ethnic. Sure. Tony Bennett writes, he, Bob Hope, liked my singing so much that after the show, he came back to see me in my dressing room and said, come on, kid, you're going to come to Paramount and sing with me. But first he told me he didn't care for my stage name and asked me what my real name was. And I told him my name is Anthony Dominic Benedetto. Oh, no, that's too long for the marquee, he said. He thought for a moment, and then he said, we'll call you Tony Bennett. (laughs) And so Tony Bennett packed up and went on national tour with Bob Hope. Wow, greatest gift Bob Hope ever gave him. (laughs) Launching Tony Bennett into stardom. Tony soon signs with Columbia Records. And in 1951, Tony has his first number one song, Because of You. Hmm. Oh, my. All right. Let's get to the love. Let's get to the love and trash part. Oh, sure, because you can't be a rising star without entangling yourself in the fierce passions. That same year of Tony's (laughs) first number one hit, 1951, it is in July of this year that Tony Bennett sees a beautiful young lady. She catches his eye and he has to put it back during one of his nightclub performances. Who is this glamorous lady? Her name is Patricia Beach. She's 18 years old. And Patricia is there at Tony's performance, actually on another date. Of course. And that guy thought he was so cool when he scored tickets for that. 100% worst thing that guy ever did, because that, you know, Patricia being on another date doesn't (laughs) discourage Leo Man Bennett from thinking Patricia's mighty cute. Mm -hmm. So after the show, Tony Bennett goes and asks... Patricia for her phone number. That poor guy never stood a chance. Nope. Tony calls Patricia and they had their first date the very next day. And soon after that, Patricia moves to New York to be with Tony. In his book, The Good Life, Tony describes the situation. I met and fell in love with a young woman named Patricia Beach in July of 1951. I was singing at Moe's Main Street in Cleveland, Ohio. And one night she came in with a date. I could see her from the stage. She was sitting ringside, and I was taken with her beauty. There is some family in Cleveland whose grandpa had this story about the time he took a girl to the Tony Bennett show. And Tony Bennett Bennett stole his girlfriend. Tony Bennett snaked my girl, but that's why you're all here now. (laughs) And it's true, it turns out. Give your grandma a kiss. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Now, keep in mind here, Tony Bennett's career was H.O.T., hot at the time, and he was one of the biggest heartthrobs around. It may be a little bit hard to imagine in 2023 that in 1951, Tony Bennett as a 24-year-old guy was sexy. I mean, face it, he's young, he's handsome, he has a beautiful voice. Now, Tony's manager is not pleased about Tony getting serious with the lady because... Like, your image, dude. Like, Mm -hmm. you can't have a girlfriend. Yeah, you can't be a heartthrob and... Your young female fans are not going to respond well to Mm -hmm. you being in a serious relationship. And Tony Bennett doesn't care. He is in love and he wants to get married. Tony proposes at one of his shows. (gasps) 
I was headlining the Paramount again for the Christmas holidays, he writes. So during my show, I announced my intentions to the world, which was a surprise to Patricia. (laughs) I was fortunate that she wanted to marry me as much as I wanted to marry her. Patricia and Tony will get married in St. Patrick's Cathedral in New York on February the 12th, 1952. A little bit of a complication, though. Wasn't easy for them to get to the ceremony. There was quite a scene outside the church. Because of his fans or because of Groundhog Day? Because of his fans. Okay. I would like to let you know that more than 2,000 female fans all dressed in black widow's clothing and veils. Oh, my God. We're standing vigil and mourning over the crooner's decision to get married. How do you organize that in the days before the internet? That's amazing. Word of mouth? I guess. That is amazing. Can you imagine 2,000 young girls in black dresses and black veils waiting to mourn your mourn nuptials? Your nuptials? not that terrible? They're not happy about it. So some of these women would not let Patricia Beach walk up the steps of the church. And Patricia needed to get assistance to have them stand back so she could get in the door to marry Tony Bennett. I, I got nothing. That's a trashy divorces first, maybe. Uh, maybe, yeah. I love this podcast. Okay, eventually, the ceremony happens and the couple was married. Tony was 26, Patricia was 19. And after the chaos of the wedding day, the newlyweds, I'm certain, enjoyed a two-week honeymoon in the Bahamas. When they returned, Tony and Patricia go back out on tour and spend... Most of the next few years, that way, they're rarely home for long. But we've seen this before. Patricia's gonna what? Have a baby. Yep. They have their first child, a son, named Deandria, or Danny, on February 3rd, 1954. Their second child, another son, Day, was born on October 15th, 1955. And although Tony and Patricia are thrilled to be parents... It changes everything about their lives. Tony Bennett writes, When the new baby came, we felt that Patricia needed to stay at home with the kid, especially since I was scheduled to start an extensive tour. And after the tour, Patricia and I decided it was time to get a house in the suburbs where the kids could spread out. When Patricia stopped touring with Tony... We've seen it. What happens? The couple starts growing apart. Sure, the revenge of all of those young women in black dresses. (laughs) We will curse you. Well, no, we're going to get you when you're alone. I mean, 100%. mm -hmm. Well, right, Tony and Patricia unable to spend much time together. So when rumors of an extramarital relationship started after Tony Bennett met actress Sandra Grant on the set of the Oscar in 1965, Patricia and Tony chose to separate. In Life is a Gift, Tony Bennett writes, Christmas of 1965 was an extremely low point in my life. My career was thriving, but my marriage of 13 years to Patricia, the mother of my two boys, was falling apart. We were separated, and I spent Christmas and New Year's in a lonely hotel room in New York City. I was absolutely miserable about not being able to see my sons. So Tony, after a sad holiday stint, realizes that he wants to be with his family. So this separation turns out not to be permanent. Huzzah! 
The couple decides to try again, and Tony moves back into the home with Patricia and the boys. However, dot, Mm. dot, dot. Yeah. A little while later, though, Patricia is still hearing rumors again about Tony and Sandra Grant. And Tony could no longer deny his affair when Patricia called Tony in his hotel room while touring only to have Mm. Sandra Grant answer the phone. Yikes. It turns out in the big reveal of time that Tony Bennett and Sandra Grant had been dating on and off since meeting in 1965. Tony remembers, Patricia called me at the hotel and Sandra answered the phone. We were officially separated from that moment on. Understandable. Patricia files for divorce in September of 1969 on the grounds of adultery and desertion after 17 years of marriage. And, I mean, I guess good for Patricia. She doesn't have to try very hard to find proof. And why is that? Well, she can just look to Sandra Grant's expanding waistline because Sandra Grant is pregnant with Tony Bennett's child. (sighs) Wow. Disappointing, Tony. That's disappointing. 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 The divorce wasn't easy and the couple doesn't easily agree on a settlement. Sandra Grant will give birth to their daughter, Joanna, in 1970, although Tony Bennett's divorce from Patricia Beach would not be finalized until 1971. This is like a glacial breakup. Oh, yeah. Of his first marriage. I'm sure they were both back and forth a lot. It sounds like that was... And this guy, I mean, he's raised Catholic. I'm sure... This just went against all of his instincts to divorce, but also probably the affair was not a great idea. (laughs) Choices. You make choices. I mean, we make choices. Everybody does. Your regiment moves around. Troops change in the field of the battle of life. Okay, that is going to take us out with Patricia Beach. Mm -hmm. And that's really into the story, though. You've done well. Sunday's episode is going to cover... Tony's next wife, guess who that is? Sandra Grant. That makes sense. But for the rest of this episode, the Tony Bennett and the spiderwebs are incredible. So on Patreon this week, we are going to have more of these spiderwebs, but I wanted to get in a few here in this episode that mention some previous TD alums or really interesting stories. Tony Bennett, what a guy. And that's where we're going to start. After a quick break, we're going to come back with Old Blue Eyes, Frank Sinatra's influence on Tony Bennett. I can't wait. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oh, Frank Sinatra, previous TD alum. What a guy. He was not a guy who was very nice to my guy, Dominic Dunn. However, Frank Sinatra had a huge influence on Tony Bennett. Old Frank was one of the people who advised Tony Bennett to be careful with his drug and alcohol misuse. That's number one, but Frank Sinatra was hugely beneficial on Tony Bennett in his career in a lot of other ways as well. Let me tell you this story. In spring of 1956, 
Tony Bennett learns that he got the spot to take over Perry Como's slot on a summer replacement show. And Tony Bennett's kind of nervous about the opportunity. But Tony Bennett had heard Frank Sinatra liked his singing. So Tony Bennett's like, hey, maybe I should ask Frank Sinatra for advice. And when he does this, everybody warns Tony Bennett like about Frank Sinatra's personality prior to talking to him. But Tony's like, eh, what do I have to lose? I'm going to go for it anyway. So both Tony and Frank are on the Paramount lot at the time for other projects. So Tony Bennett goes to see Frank Sinatra. Tony Bennett remembers this encounter. Quote, I found out that it was just the opposite of what everybody said about him. He was just wonderful to me and sat me right down in his dressing room and gave me some wonderful advice about not worrying about being nervous because he said the public likes that. He said, if you don't care, why should the audience care? He said, if you're nervous, they're going to see that you care. So they're going to root for you. And the more they root for you, the more you'll give back to them, he said. And it'll be fine. And it was wonderful advice. Throughout those early years, Tony Bennett would get many compliments from Frank Sinatra passed on to him. And Tony said he got a lot of gigs as well. In his book, Just Getting Started, Tony Bennett writes, Frank Sinatra changed my life in many ways. He got me a lot of gigs. A lot of people at the top of the heap wouldn't go out of their way to help someone else try to climb up there. When Duke Ellington and I performed at the Americana Hotel in Miami Beach in 1960, Frank knew that there was a convention of hotel owners meeting nearby. He brought them in to see our show, and they seemed to have a great time. For the next 10 years, I got bookings in classy spots, and they all trace back to that one night. Tony Bennett, however, will acknowledge that he'd heard many stories about the darker sides of Frank Sinatra's personality, but says he never saw that himself. Tony also writes about what he calls, quote, one of the most caring things that any colleague of mine has done in my entire career, unquote. And here Tony will always remain grateful for it. He writes, In the autumn of 1974, Frank knew that my mother was nearing the end of her life and was pretty sure that she and I would be watching his televised concert for Madison Square Garden, Sinatra, the main event. At one point between songs, talking his way into Vernon Duke's Autumn in New York, Frank ad-libbed, Tony Bennett is my favorite guy in the whole world. My mother's face lit up like Times Square. I'd call it a small loving gesture, except that, of course, it was seen and heard by millions of people. I will never forget how much Frank's gesture meant to my mom and me. Let's talk about the time that Tony Bennett's signature song, I Left My Heart in San Francisco, was almost left in a drawer. Are you ready for this? (laughs) I Left My Heart in San Francisco comes to be known as Tony Bennett's signature song but he almost never sang it at all. The song was originally written in 1954 by George Corey and Douglas Cross in Brooklyn, but they both had grown up in the Bay Area. George Corey and Douglas Cross, the writers, pitched the song to Tony Bennett's longtime accompanist and musical director. His name is Ralph Sharon. Sharon puts the song in a shirt drawer and forgets all about it. In 1961... I guess 
Ralph Sharon is packing for an upcoming tour with Tony Bennett. Years later, what is this? Almost a decade later. And he finds that song and packs it along in a suitcase and takes it along with him since he and Tony would be playing at the Fairmont Hotel in San Francisco. Ralph Sharon shows the song to Tony Bennett, and Tony's like, yeah, why not? I'll sing it. It gets a great reaction from the hometown audience. Yeah, I bet. The bartender of the club tells Tony Bennett, if you make a record of that song, I'll buy it. And that's exactly what he did. In 1962, Tony Bennett recorded the song, but it was originally released as the B-side of Once Upon a Time. And when Once Upon a Time didn't get quite the response that Tony Bennett had hoped for, they flipped the record and switched I Left My Heart in San Francisco to the A-side. Tony started performing that song regularly, and it wasn't an instant hit, but over time it does become his most popular song and the one that he's arguably best known for. I Left My Heart in San Francisco, that little song remains on the charts in 1962 for almost nine months. (laughs) It was chosen as the title track to the album, which reached the top five and went gold. Tony won Grammy Awards for Record of the Year and Best Solo Vocal Performance with that song. I Left My Heart in San Francisco was eventually entered into the National Recording Registry, and the Library of Congress asked Tony Bennett why he felt the song was so popular and resonated with so many people. Tony Bennett said, It conveys such a poignant sense of longing that I think it communicates to everyone. I think it was beautifully crafted, and again, it has a universal message. So I am very thankful that the public has embraced it for so long. I couldn't ask for a better signature song. The very last song that Tony Bennett ever sang in a concert was I Left My Heart in San Francisco. He uses that song to close his show with Lady Gaga at the Mm -hmm. Radio City Music Hall on August the 5th, 2021, 60 years after the first time he sang it. Again, Tony Bennett was 95 years old at the time. We got one more little sticky spider web in this Tony Bennett Part 1 Let's talk about an army incident, being a civil rights advocate, and marching in Selma in 1965. Tony Bennett had been really deeply troubled by an event that happened to him when he was back in the army regarding the treatment of a fellow soldier from back home who was black. Tony Bennett was already standing against segregation back then during the war, and it actually got him demoted. Hmm. What happens? Tony Bennett was a corporal in the United States Special Services during the post-war occupation period. So Tony runs into an old friend from home unexpectedly, and he knows the guy from high school, and the two had performed together in a musical group as teenagers. Tony says, I was thrilled to see a familiar Mm -hmm. face from back home after being surrounded by strangers for so many months. Mm Mm-hmm. He took me with him to a holiday service at a Baptist church he'd found. We wanted to spend the whole day together. It just felt so good to be with a friend. So Tony Bennett invites his friend to eat Thanksgiving dinner with him. And this was not allowed because it was 1945 and the army was still segregated. So a senior officer sees this, marches over, takes out a razor blade 
and cuts Tony Bennett's corporal stripes off his uniform, throws those stripes on the floor, and then spits on them. Wow. Tony Bennett was told to leave and was then demoted from corporal to private just for sitting with a black soldier at dinner. I would think that would leave an impression. And it sounds like it did. There was more punishment for Tony Bennett because, you know, he just wanted to hang out with his friend. Sure. Tony was reassigned from the special services to the graves registration, where Tony's new job is digging up bodies of American soldiers killed in combat for reburial in military cemeteries. Tony Bennett points out when telling this story that the punishment for the black and white soldiers socializing together was more severe than if they socialized with civilians, even those with Nazi leanings in occupied Germany. He wrote that this unbelievable quote-unquote incident demonstrated to him, quote, the degree of prejudice that was so widespread in the army during World War II, unquote. Fortunately, a decent army officer learned what had happened and pulled some strings to get Tony Bennett back into the special services unit where he could perform with the Glenn Miller Army Air Force Band. Well, that's nice. This has a profound effect on Tony, and in addition to vowing to be a pacifist after seeing the horrors of war, Tony also devotes himself to work for racial harmony. In his 1998 book called The Good Life, Tony Bennett writes, I couldn't get over the fact that they condemned us for just being friends, and especially while we served our country in wartime. There we were, just two kids, happy to see each other, trying to forget for a moment the horror of the war. But for the brass, it just boiled down to the color of our skin. So when Tony's friend and fellow crooner, Harry Belafonte, asks Tony to walk in a civil rights march planned by Dr. Martin Luther King in Selma, Alabama, Tony Bennett does not hesitate. He'll write, When the march started, I had a strange sense of deja vu. I kept flashing back to a time 20 years earlier when my buddies and I had fought our way into Germany. It felt the same way down in Selma. The white state troopers were really hostile, and they were not shy about showing it. There was a threat of violence all along the march route from Montgomery to Selma, some of which was broadcast on the nightly news and really helped to make the country aware of the ugliness that was still going on in the South. In his autobiography, Tony kind of continues this thought, writing, I'm enormously proud that I was able to take part in such a historic event, but I am saddened to think that it was ever necessary and that any person should suffer simply because of the color of his skin. Tony Bennett continued advocating for black artists and working for racial equality his entire life. Tony was eventually honored with a Citizen of the World Award from the United Nations for his civil rights work. And that's part one of Tony (laughs) Bennett. I'm going to end it on a high note here, because when we come back for part two, closing down season 19... It is going to be with Tony and Sandra getting married and then Sandra spilling all the deets about their trashy divorce, which does get Mm. pretty trashy. All right. Well, we have that to look forward to. Friends, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you joining us today and all through the seasons for this trashy, trashy ride. 
Don't forget, if you're looking for a little bit more trash candy, patreon.com slash trashy divorces will get it for you. We're about to do a whole bunch of spider webs. Pearl Bailey and Judy Garland and Jackie Kennedy and Carrie Grant, Tony Bennett and the sticky, sticky spider webs are great. Patreon will get you on with that. We also have a second podcast, Trashy Royals, that you can find wherever you listen to podcasts. We are currently into the Victorians. Yeah, this week on Trashy Royals, which drops on Thursday, we're getting into the nine children of Queen Victoria and Prince Albert. If you like what we do over here being trashy, you may want to check out Trashy Royals. We can't tell you how much we appreciate you. You're listening. You're telling your friends and fellow podcast enthusiasts about us, your kind reviews, your kind emails, and just generally being the most awesome community ever. Until we see you again this weekend with Tony Bennett Part 2, friends. The finale. I hope that you will keep your hands clean. I hope you'll keep your hearts trashy. Big, big love. Bye. Bye. And thanks to you for listening. Trashy Divorces is a Hemlock Creatives production created and produced right here in Atlanta, Georgia by us, Stacy and Alicia, with a little research and writing help from the brilliant Melissa O. Our art is by Sydney V. Smith. That's Sydney V. Smith at carbonmade.com. And our music is used with permission of Ratsy. Check her out at Ratsy's store on Instagram and definitely drop into Ratsy's store anytime you're in Oberlin, Ohio. You can contact us at trashydivorces at gmail.com or find us on the World Wide Web at trashydivorces.com. If you need more trash candy in your life, our Patreon community includes some of the very best humans around and thousands of hours of bonus content at every level of support. Join the fun at patreon.com slash trashydivorces. Interested in some Trashy Divorces swag? Check out our merch shop and Trash Panda Enthusiasm Society at bit.ly slash trashy gear. Want to advertise with us? Reach out to sales at advertisecast.com for more information. And last but not least, come play with us on social media. I keep most of our Trashy Divorces Instagram hopping. Stacy and I share it up over on Facebook, including our Trashy Divorces podcast discussion group. Come join us over there and thanks again everybody for listening. Keep it trashy y'all.